Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Middle cough. Hey, B. Habes. We got to uh, promote a few things here real quick. Mailbag, John. We're not doing the mailbag today. We'll do it later in the week. iTunes, go there. Give us a five-star. Well, give us a review. Five stars, we appreciate. Ask us a question in the mailbag. Descript- or in the, uh, you know. Description, yeah. yeah. You guys know the deal. Uh, also, the DraftKings game, it's up right now. We got 30 spots left after recording this WGC this weekend. Uh, in Haberman's. Go to his Instagram, at Guy Haberman. It's in the bio. You can get in if you haven't already got in. Uh, and if you're getting emails from us, we're trying to get you to get in. So get in. Yeah. It's the uh, Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. You can also just go to DraftKings. Find us. If you have any problem, hit us up. Use the promo code HAM when you sign up. Uh, rattled. I did definitely starting this podcast off rattled was the word you used when we were talking beforehand. And uh, it's the second time in my life I've gotten a tiger text from Middlecoff, and it was dramatic. So recording this on Tuesday afternoon and just kind of waiting on Tiger. Yeah, I mean, typically we record the podcast a little earlier than we are today, and and I was doing something in the kitchen, and I looked down at my phone, and I got the TMZ, you know, the tweet or the link to the article on a group text I'm on, and I looked at it, and my first inclination was not to believe it. You know, think it was like, no, I just saw, because I had been earlier today, a couple hours before, I had seen on Instagram, Dwayne Wade had posted they were playing golf. And I'm like, no, he's playing golf with Dwayne Wade right now. He's not in a car accident. I literally just saw him. Turns out that was yesterday. Then I dove, I started getting a couple texts. And then you realize it's actually real. This was in real time. I mean, this is not even one o'clock as we're recording this. And then more and more more and more information come out about this guy's car. And you're just thinking, oh my God, Tiger Woods was legitimately... This is not fake. Not that I, I believe TMZ. The second time they broke, they broke his story back in 2009. They broke the story here that he was in uh, pretty bad fucking shape. Yeah. So I don't, you know, and, I don't and, know what else. Now, as we record this, 
the stuff here, you hope, you know, by the time you watch this or hear this, maybe you already know, hopefully we don't, you know, we kind of have some details and that it turns out he's okay. But the reports I saw, I think KTVU reported compound fractures in his leg. They needed the jaws of life. The pictures, the videos of his car, just badly damaged have been out there. Um, That's a jarring image, the car The video. first thing you think, right, There was, there's like seven minutes where there's no information other than he's been jaws of life to the hospital. And you go, is he gonna is he gonna live? And now and then you start reading the stuff. And I don't know about you. My first thought was, is he gonna walk? Um yeah. so this is again, we're talking about this as it's happening. This is us just talking the way we talk anyway. We don't know. And it's just I I mean, there are a few people, right, in our world, just in this country, that just stop everything. Like you started flipping channels. Is every news channel that you flipped? Every on news channel, this? golf channel. I mean, everything was all over it. So I, yeah, I know for me, guy, I, I was thinking about this before we started the podcast is that this year has been just, I think naturally, maybe, maybe some people enjoyed it for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I find myself getting really angry at different times, just the way everything's set up and you're not allowed to do anything and just the whole situation. And one of the one thing I found myself, and part of it was like when we, when sports reopened up, we got really heavy into DraftKings golf, and I, I think like I really got involved in following. And I've always Tiger's like my favorite athlete, but just involved in golf of consuming the PGA Tour. I found myself watching an outrageous amount of Tiger content. I'm not even talking about like the documentary. I'm talking about like on YouTube watching his events in his life and going, geez, I just watched a ton of it. I mean, we had a ton of time on our hands. And it's one of the lone bright spots when I think of 2020, uh, you know, that I just kind of made me happy, you know, in, in this world where you're kind of stuck, you can't do anything. You get on social media, there's so much negativity. It's easy, you know, in, in this world that like what we do for a living to kind of get consumed by it. And I'm not good at, you know, it's not like I'm... I, I don't have kids I can go play with or anything. You're kind of just stuck in it sometimes, I feel. And Tiger was like a bright light of just going back into his career. Because like the peak of his career was, you and I, I was born in 84, you were born in 85. Like 97, you know, I was fucking 13 years old. So it's like you don't really, you think you remember? Like I remember 08 when he won the US Open. But like peak Tiger, when you hear PGA Tour guys talk about it, they're talking like 97 to like 03, 04 when he was just, eviscerating people like just on a completely in a completely different stratosphere than everyone else and he still was no eight but remember his body was kind of breaking down by then obviously he broke and you'd watch him go oh my god like i i watched tom brady's career like in my adult life like i, I know i could speak to it even jordan you think you did and then you watch that documentary like fuck i god this guy was obviously he was sweet and you knew it but you just kind of rehash it the tiger thing i just think he's a one-off athlete uh, I, I say this all the time, Michael and Tiger are the most famous athletes in my life. I don't even think there's close seconds because part of it is like their fame. It's like the fame of Michael Jackson or some of these guys before we were even born. To get that famous without the internet is stupid fame. Like it's like we got TikTok guys. Portnoy does a podcast with a TikTok guy that has like, you know, 50 million followers. Like that. you can get famous now in different ways, right? Are they going to maintain their fame over 50 years? Probably not. I'm not saying Dave, I'm talking about the TikTok guys. And it just goes, like, there's a level of Tiger. And what made, like, Michael Jordan played basketball, right? Most human beings, if you're a kid, even if you're not an athlete, you end up playing basketball at one point in time in your life, right? Pick up or shoot a hoop, shoot hoops. <laughs> like, most people have shot basketballs, right? Or yeah. dribbled a basketball. Yeah. I think most people probably, maybe since Tiger maybe tried golf, but di golf was... Michael Jackson, everyone fucking listened to music. Tiger did something that the majority of human beings did not do. And I would say the majority of people, in a weird way, probably looked down upon it forever. And he changed the game and made it really cool. And it was something like, I played golf growing up. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't cool. I remember I always wanted to play football more, even though it's like, fuck, middle cop, you're never... You, Barely playing your high school team. You're never going anywhere. You should just play golf only. I, I, but it just, like, I didn't play golf. I didn't even know cool. we had a high school golf team at Davis High. You were on you it. You did. You wrote an article on Ben Hunter. Remember? Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm being casual here. But like, there was a point in time where it wasn't really something you were... I mean, I knew we had a team. You were on the team, so I was aware of it. And Ben Hunter was really good. But um, 
Yeah, it was. It was. It was not cool. It was and not like something. Even, and that was like was, early remember, Tiger. Yeah, no one was talking about like, oh, did you see Tiger this weekend? That conversation never happened on Monday morning. It's way cooler now. Yeah, would you agree? Because of him, yes. <laughs> way cooler now. But just like I just think casual people now, like obviously during Corona, it's expanded. But just people play golf. People just kind of pay attention. And I, I, I just think he's a one-off. Like LeBron well, James is not a one-off. You know. It's just he 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 and I'm not diminishing him, but I'm just saying he benefited. He from came to Magic fame Michael at a different Kobe. time. Yeah, it's just yeah. T- Tiger. No, no one playing golf right now to me will ever sniff. I- I'm talking about the crew of like famous guys right now on the tour that are killing it and are great players and probably. I mean, there's probably ten guys that are going to go down as like all time greats, right? Like DJ, JT, Rory, Spieth, fucking maybe Bryson, Kepka. You could combine all their fame, and they would never get to a quarter of what Tiger is, right? That's what he meant to the sport. And you hear, we talked to Hunter Mahan, but you talk to some of the guys that they, Pat Perez has been open about this, like, Tiger made us money. You know, like, th- there wasn't money like this. You, the purse this weekend is over $10 million. It might as well just be called the Tiger Woods purse. I mean, Max, WGC, Max like, just won $1.6 million at the yeah. Genesis. Like the, what Jack and even like Greg Norman and Faldo were making pre-Tiger wasn't was pennies relative to these guys. Yeah, everyone now is a millionaire. Like Jason Kokrak make a couple million dollars a year. But to me, it's just that my my point is that it's it was it, it I remember thinking it was such a crazy story in '08, and he was probably my favorite athlete, and it was nuts. But now it's like you just. As you see guys get older and you kind of live through the highs and the lows of their life as a fan, and I and I'm I think you're kind of similar. I'm kind of numb to sports in a weird way. Like I don't when I see some of these guys like on social media that are huge fans still, like I can't totally relate. Like and I used to be that, and it just kind of left me. I'm still a fan of sports, but Tiger's one guy that guy I remember when he won the Masters, I got pretty emotional. I mean, I just remember that being an emotional moment. Well, when he when right? remember the, they, the montage of his dad to his son was you could not cry. I know I did too. Um it, it was I, just a powerful, but I just remember him going to like that like 17 and 18 and like god, he's going to fucking win the Masters. And then yeah, you're right, but that 5 minutes after where Jim goes silent and he hugs his son, and he hugs them all, and they're walking. Remember when walking down that stretch with mm-hmm. Charlie, and Charlie even a couple years ago felt a little smaller than he is now, and and he's, and he's just wearing what any what eight nine year old would wear in basketball shorts, t shirt, obviously Nike, but just walking with his dad, and his, it was just that moment for me as a sports fan. Like even Brady win it this year. Like Brady's, I got to witness his whole career. I worked in the NFL. Like I, I, I we played Brady. I've seen him live multiple times. It was cool, but it like didn't move me, right? I mean, hell, I was kind of rooting for the other team, but <laughs> that was in my lifetime. That's one of the most moving sports moments and powerful sports moments. And, and and he's the only one that truly like that. I just remember seeing like everyone, whether you're into politics, whether you're into football, like that was just he had that universal pull. At a sport that shouldn't, right? Of course football does, or baseball does, or basketball does. They always kind of have, Well, he, right? he became bigger than the sport. But I think the also, the other thing that he's had is his low, the lows that he has returned from, um, they don't compare on a star of his level and the degree to which his star had fallen and then what he did to get back and the multiple things, the multiple things that went wrong, right? It's not just the scandal. It's not just the first car crash. It's not just the back surgeries. It's repeated back surgeries. It's woman after woman. It's all the, it's, it's the relationship with his dad. It's all of this stuff that was so low that made the return so high, right? Like Tom's career is incredible. Brady's in and of itself, but his, his public valleys were not anywhere close. It's not just the tiger failed or the tiger got hurt. I mean, we were talking about like basic human emotions, right? Like deep, like shame. Uh, like these are things that it's the story that he has is so unusual. And sorry. No, no, I was going to transition to something today. So go, so comment on that first. Well, and and think about this too. What makes, I think tiger so unique is like Tom Brady, like his parents, if you ask a, I would say even a above average casual sports fan, like an NFL fan, but like Mr. Brady, 
Be like, I, I don't know any. Like, what do you mean, Mr. Br- Tom Brady's dad? Like Tom Brady Sr.? I, I remember he got kind of mad once. Like some, they wouldn't, you say Earl Woods to a casual, like, wouldn't you say he would immediately evoke emotion and someone has an opinion? Like, we know this guy's life. I'm not even, you don't even need to read the documentary or watch the documentary, read the book. Like, I'd say Earl Woods is like a powerful public figure. We feel like we've known this fucking guy. I mean, and part of his story, right, was him going on television at two. Like, just his life has been, Tom's life is an NFL life. Tiger's life was like his life, guy, his life. Phil Knight, in that documentary, I didn't know this. I think we had talked about this when he was following him as last U.S. Amateur because followed him every round. And the way the U.S. Amateur works is like, it's like uh, March Madness. It's a bracket of 64 match play. You work your way to the championship. Phil followed him every round. And this is this is 1996 or 7. So Phil, I mean, Nike is enormous. MJ is by far the biggest athlete in the world. Phil's on fucking top. And I think it was clear, right, that it was like, even by then, I'd say most sports fans kind of knew this Tiger guy was coming. I mean, his name was fucking Tiger. And I feel like I'm talking about him like he's dead, but this does feel like a moment... And I'm not, no one knows what's going on, but just watch him at Riviera. He was openly talking about the back, like he was in bad shape. But then I watched him play with D-Wade. I'm like, well, if he's playing golf, it must not be as bad, but maybe he really wasn't doing that much with those guys. He's just out there with them, right? It's hard to tell. I mean, clearly from what he told Nance, he's working to get, he's adjusting to what his new life will have to be as a golfer. He was, right? He talked about, uh, it lengthening his putter so he, so he doesn't have to bend over as far so it's the same length as his wedge. Well, the way he talked, like he wasn't going to be at the Masters here in a month It did not half. feel like, it felt like maybe we had, even before what this car crash, like, you know, maybe we'd seen the end of like truly competitive Tiger. I don't know. But I think part of what has, as just talking about it, like I'm getting chills right this second just thinking about it. On Tuesday, like within the last hour, right? You're looking at these photos of his car crash. I I do think part of it is him, everything we just said. Part of it is that we just had this big two-part documentary that I watched, that you watched, that a lot of people watched, that brought all that stuff right back to the surface in terms of just it's all fresh in our minds, all of these things with Tiger. And then the other part of it, for me at least, looking at these photos is it was it's a year ago that Kobe in LA photos of now, you know, that was a helicopter on fire, but the same kind of, it's got an LA helicopter shot. And it's like this not totally green grass in like this vegetated area, right? It's where tiger crashed. It's not like big hillside, like where Kobe crashed, but it's a little ravine and a little hill by some homes. It it doesn't feel like the Staples center, downtown LA or anything. No, or if there'd been a car crash just on like a residential street into like a palm tree. It's just the picture. The picture doesn't even say like you wouldn't know California. You would just think kind of like back road residential. I don't even know. But we know it's California just because they say it's L.A. So then you see this close up photo and it's a car that went off the side down. It just it's some of this. It looks from a terrain stamp. It just reminds me. It just has these things that for whatever reason reminds you of Kobe. Partly that it was Kobe. Now, Kobe died. That's not what we're talking. But that's just, you know, again, in in 24 hours or in a week. What we're saying now might feel totally out of place or dated, right? But right now, that's that's what we all just watched. And for me, it's not based on... I, to go back to what you said about his interview with Nance. But guy, even if he hadn't shattered his legs and being in, in surgery right now, if he would have walked away, the, the visuals of that picture, you would have been like, someone could have died. You know, like when you get into a bad car crash died, and yeah. you hear the tow, tr- the tow driver, the tow truck driver, or the police officer being like, this looks like you're lucky to walk away. Like you right. just see that image. To me, the first thing you think is, is he alive? Like th- to me, the image is a jarring image, whether it's Tiger Woods, whether it's, you don't like you just said, hey, there's a horrific car crash in Los Angeles today, and they showed the picture. You'd be like, God, I hope the person right walked is fucking alive. Yeah, yeah. And well, then to me, it's even more jarring, right? Once you kind of zoom in, it says the Genesis. It's just like, oh, that's my right. God. It's, and like all the stuff is stacked <laughs> up. I, guy, I mean, we we got the, sent Genesis. T, you remember Collar Church by a guy in his foundation that was a big, I think, Niner Raider fan that listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I wore it the other day. I um. I think the other part of it, though, is like because of what you said about how Tiger sounded with Nance the other day, you know, and we've been talking for years about and certainly, 
since even, you know, Pebble, and we've talked about, like, could he, how much did he really have left? But when I saw those pictures, my thought was not, is Tiger going to play competitively again? Because remember, when Kobe died, a big part of the conversation, it was, yeah, Kobe was a great player, but it was more about, like, Kobe and his daughters, and his daughter, right, she died, and Kobe's, like, next chapter, and being... Uh, you know, all this stuff, the girl dad and all uh, advancing basketball for women. And it was well, about she, like Kobe's next she, chapter. Cause she wanted to go to the WNBA and, really and people good. were acting like she was headed there. So when I see this tiger stuff, like I think part of it is we watched the doc. We just saw tiger play in this father son thing with Justin Thomas and his dad and his son, Charlie. And my thought was not like, is tiger going to play in the masters? It was, is, is tiger going to be able to play with his son? Like is tiger going to be able to, so that's where my head's at as we're looking at all that stuff. Is Tiger going to be able to, if Charlie's becomes an NCAA golfer, is he going to be able to walk with him? Is he going to be able to caddy for him? Is he? And again, maybe in 24 hours and in a week, Tiger, it turns out, he's going to make a full recovery and none of this, and this is all just stuff we thought for two hours. Hope, I hope that's the case, but I don't know. I'm just, as we talk about like why it feels so rattling, I think it's those are some of the thoughts. Well, because even if you go, okay, he's not life-threatening, he's going to be... You start going compound fractured, shattered legs. I think a guy that was already not being able to play because of back surgery, you go, is this guy ever going to really play competitive golf anymore? I think we were thinking that. It kind of went viral the moment he talked to Nance. We were like, God, he doesn't look great. Is this kind of the end? And again, golf, the end, it's not like you got to be like John Elway or Peyton Manning, I'm retiring, right? In golf, you can kind of... But it's like, is this guy's career... And we've talked about this for a while with the Masters... It's just it was just going to be hard, not because we thought his back was going to get hurt again or he was going to get in a car accident. Like, how's he going to play with these young guys, right? And it was kind of clear that it was going to be very difficult. And before the back surgery and clearly the car accident, when he came to Harding Park, we started betting like he's never going to be able to play the the Open Championship because it's always really cold. Anytime the U.S. opens in a cold venue, he's out. You're like Pebble can never do that. So you just start all these things were already kind of checked off. Like it's only Augusta when it's super hot and humid. And even he talked about, I think, at like uh, Harding Park, he would like keep an extra layer on to sweat mm-hmm. and keep it loose. Like he was already battling these uphill things. I just think about it from like a football scouting perspective. Obviously, football is a lot different than golf. When you like shatter your leg, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people would say it'd be, it, unless you played, I mean, Alex is a decent example. Quarterback would be the one position where you don't have to move that much. Most other positions, if you were an older player, had a bad compound fracture, it could just kind of end your career. And a guy that's already had shattered knees, hip replacements, I mean, torn Achilles. But to me, it all goes to the back. Like, it just, I'm not trying to be like morbid and down here, but you just, I, I in a weird way, I mean, not a, it's not a weird way, in, in a, you just kind of come into grips with, I don't know if I ever expect this guy to really play meaningful golf again, which shouldn't matter, right? It's, can he be around his kid who looks kind of like a shooting star, right? You know, we talk a lot about LeBron's kid, and it just feels like, I mean, Charlie Woods, just, he's so young, I mean, he hasn't even hit puberty yet. But, but I mean, whether he's a does, shooting star or not, right, it's just... Yeah, being able to play, but I'm just saying, like, it, it kind of felt like he, Tiger was going to have this second act in a weird way with his kid, and it felt like he was having so much fun at that tournament. And you just hope he's going to be able to be able to moving around. It was already hard enough, right, with his back. Right. You start shattering your legs. Like, he's not... I mean, he's had injuries like he is a is a middle linebacker. Played in the 70s, right? Just alone. Shattered knees, Achilles, back. Like that. Most of these golfers are not... This was before today. Which today, just look at that picture and then you just read... That's his injuries today were probably pretty jolting. You know, the impact. Fuck, you just look at the car. Shattered shattered life. Yeah, fuck. When they need that, it tells you that it's bad. I mean, that you're stuck or that something, you know, I I don't know. We'll get more details, but uh yeah, I hope you can you know, I mean you saw part of it too is we watched the Alex I saw I don't know if you saw this today, but probably like twenty minutes ago, Alex Smith, there were some quotes where he said Basically, most of the people in the Washington football organization didn't take him seriously. Like, he felt like they were just letting him kind of come along, come along, come along. Just, and it was kind to of To be bullshit. like, com- be, be compassionate to him. Yeah, but, but they like, didn't really believe in him, which... I didn't either, guys. Yeah, I don't blame them. 
And I yeah. certainly don't blame them if they're like, hey, we don't want to be a part of some guy out here. It's just, you know, so I, what he did is all the more impressive because he had to be the only guy that believed and he had to force his way on the field. But again, we watched that thing play out, right? And that was compound fractures, but that he had an infection, but that thing got really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's in your head too, as you watch all this play out, but yeah. well, uh, I think we'll wait the, by the, the end of this the podcast. Thing, I'd, I'd say the one parallel with Alex, the one parallel with Alex and Tigers even on a higher level probably is that when you're that famous, you have money and, and when you're involved in the NFL, like he was going to have access to the best of the best. And Alex, yeah. as it went bad, he, you know, they, you get a hold of people in the fucking Pentagon and he got sent to the deal. Like Tiger just has access to the best of the best. But eventually like that was just one major injury for Alex. It's not like Alex had seven other things going on. Like Tiger's entire body, obviously Alex, it's different football. He had to like protect himself. That, that's why I, I mean, I wrote Alex off. Thing in golf is, if he can move, he could. If he can swing, he can play. Right? It's not like he's he's at he's not not safe. If he can just rehab back, whether right. he wants to. But I this is back to him talking to Nance. I I just had the thought like, it's gonna gotta get to a point after he won that Masters. Like, what am I doing all this rehab for? Remember Luck? Remember Luck's statement was like, the rehab just drives you to a place of misery. Right? The monotony of just. Uh, and this is what I think about like clay. I can't imagine doing the rehab for the ACL and then boom, you got to start it all over again. It's most humans. Like most of us, if I, I have a, I think a torn MCL and I've had it for a while, but I don't play basketball. I don't move laterally anymore. So I don't need to get it. But mo- if I do ever get it, I will one day get it. You know, just the surgery is probably easy. My, the rehab I'll do will be probably half ass. Like I'm not going hardcore every day like those guys. So it's easy to be like, I can do the next thing. Those guys are just doing taking it so serious, like a practice. Yeah. But you just do it every day. It's got to think how many rehabs Tiger's been a part of. How that wouldn't that would mentally break me. I get mentally broken by fucking seeing some tweets from some people I hate. How many rehabs? That that means how many? You know the history of all the different medications he's had to be on. And I mean, the uh, the number of people that don't believe now. Look, you know, you got people around you that are helping you, but. The um, the Alex Smith situation sounds pretty um, uh, uh, not disheartening, but um, discouraging. People are discouraging you. I can yeah. imagine there are people along the way. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, a lot of people depend on Tiger financially, so I don't. Maybe he didn't face much discouragement. But how about the other thing was watching? Like, is Justin Thomas gonna? You saw some of that press conference. Someone asked him, I saw right before we jumped on, someone asked him if he thought about withdrawing. I don't think he was happy about that question. He's like, I just found out 10 minutes ago. This is not about He shouldn't be doing the press. I mean, he should say what he wants to say and move on. Yeah. You don't need to ask him about the greens. He can come back and do that press conference later if they want to. But we'll keep an eye out, John. But that's where it stands right now. And, you know, something else happens by the end of the pod. We'll react to that. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code ham to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code HAM. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball too. I've got some season long, more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but. 
I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Butcherbox.com slash HAM helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tacovas. Com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps cowboy hats bandanas you name it they'll get you outfitted if you can't make it to a store tecovas delivers the most premium quality most comfortable western goods right to your door visit tecovas.com that's t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com and point your toes west sims and shanahan in this case shim uh, sims and ahmed farid talking about kyle shanahan uh, this is what he posted a video in this video. One of the things he says about Shanahan is that over time, Kyle's always kind of just like quarterbacks. I tell you what to do. You go do it. But as time is going on, maybe he's seeing that he needs a quarterback that can do a little more shit that can get him out of trouble by making a play on the field. And um, we, we just this is your reminder that when we talk about Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan, the Internet knows this well. They're very close friends, John. They share matching tattoos. Yeah, they play college football together at the University of Texas. Uh, the irony is, like, Kyle is a way bigger deal now than Chris Sims, right? He's a star head coach. Chris is just media member. At the time, think about when they became friends. Chris is the star quarterback. Yep. Kyle is just walk-on wide receiver at Texas. Like when, And he was – I remember watching him thinking, this guy's pretty good. Remember yep. Gruden drafted him? Uh, they're close. And I, I think when he says something, it holds weight. But I do think he's saying things that we – that you and I have reiterated. And and listen, I get nervous with Kyle that he was just going to be dead set on the robotic guy. And even Jimmy was probably on the edge for him, right? Jimmy was the rebel. Jimmy was like uh, his like nirvana. Like, you know, I'm really going on an edge here. Uh, and it was driving him nuts. And then to me, once Jimmy got hurt and they went through the season and we've hammered this point home over and over and over again, I do think you're influenced as a coach when you play a team and you see it up front. It's when you evaluate players you're by yourself or you're with your offensive staff or defensive staff or your coaching staff or your GM or whatever, you're just in a room by yourself. And there's not like the emotion is you like a guy or you don't like a guy, whatever your move. There is nothing like as a coach, I'd say as a general manager, as a player going up against that other person whether you believe they're good or not, and getting fucking worked, right? And I think this works for any walk of life. You could be close-minded to something, but in whatever industry you're in, when you see something firsthand, that on the other end work, you go, you you think to yourself, if you've got any, you know, sort of, uh, you know, 
have the ability to comprehend like that's working. I might need to use that, right? Most people, most successful people steal, right? And, and when I say steal, I don't mean actually go to your house and take something. I just mean steal ideas from other people that you see that they're it's working. And this year when Josh Allen kicked their ass and it was just, because we went into the game like, could they upset him? Could they? And Josh was just whoof, 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 throwing these darts. Like I, I'm getting texts from buddies around and other teams like, God, this guy is good. It's on Monday Night Football, and he kicked their ass. And Kyle's comments after the game was like, God, that guy was basically like, that's that's what you need. Like, yeah. That's what the league, that separates what that guy had. And I think a lot of 49er fans and just people that follow this team closely, which it's a huge fan base, and a lot of people were living and dying with this team because how good they were last year, and it woke this powerhouse. That was a moment where everyone kind of took a deep breath of like, okay, he realized it. Because I think there was this elephant in the room of like, okay, he's going to kick Jimmy to the curb. He's going to get Cousins. You know, maybe he'll trade for a 35-year-old he'll Matt try Ryan. try the same maybe, thing again. And maybe he still will, just because he doesn't have another opportunity. But I, he he said it. He said it, and his, his one of his best friends in football that he's known, I mean, when, was, when were they playing? The early 2000s? For 20-plus years, that you just, his relationship with a guy, when you know someone... At that age, you just have a relationship that is just more powerful than... Now, I guess any relationship can, as you get older, you can build good relationships. But that's... I I think he's reiterating what Kyle's been thinking. And maybe it's unfair for me to say since that game, but I think since that game it became public that like, okay, Kyle gets it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it does feel like Gruden on the other end... It feels like that's what Gruden's been chasing this whole time. Like Gruden's got this. He Derek's good, but like God, he wants his Mahomes, right? And it was even before Mahomes was Mahomes. Like he just wants it, and he just can't find. But no one even argued. Like yeah, it's like I get John's just big game hunting a quarterback. <laughs> that's why I remember he the guys he's liked over the years. He envisioned their like superstardom. Like even like Johnny Football, you could just see it. Like I I get where he was coming from. Where Kyle was always the opposite. It was like. And and we're going to find out. I mean, I don't... Just because you think something doesn't mean you actually do it. But, you know, that's not what wins Super Bowls. What wins Super Bowl? You think about Pat Mahomes and Nick Foles, the two recent signature moments in NFL Super Bowl history came from plays called by the quarterback on the field while he was standing on the sideline trying to decide what to do next. It was Nick Foles that said, how about Philly Philly? And it was Patrick Mahomes that said, uh, how about Firefly? What's it called? Uh, <laughs> Bumblebee? Wasp. Wasp. And I, I think it's a reminder that... like, we what, play, love- what play was better? Philly, Philly. Yeah. Wasp was not perfectly defended. Now, I guess that's part of the genius of the play is it makes it hard to defend. Philly, Philly is just who calls yeah, a f- trick f- play. Yeah, f- f- trick, the trick play is hard. I mean, the quarterback caught the touchdown. Um. So the Wasps, they were getting their ass kicked. They yeah, were going to lose also the great, Super Bowl. I mean, it's they're both great <laughs> plays. But, you know, we love military football crossover. The best military leaders, they say, led from the front. And in football, it's hard because your coach doesn't actually get to be on the battlefield. He gets to walk right up to the edge of the battlefield, but he doesn't get to actually lead from the front of the battle. That's what your quarterback does. Remember Tomlin put his leg out with Jacoby Jones? Tomlin did try to lead from the sideline. That's illegal. (laughs) Salalosi, remember? Salalosi made a play, also illegal. Um, There's a line, an invisible. I mean, it's actually with paint. But you need your, you know, if Kyle Shanahan was trying to get from wild card to division win, from division win to conference championship game, it'd be a different story. But he went all the way to the edge of the Super Bowl, had the lead in the Super Bowl, and got beat because. The guy on the other side was was that was Patrick Mahomes. There's a famous correctly, Wasp was like four minutes left in the game or something. Five minutes. I mean, there was not a lot not, of time but left. Was, but yeah, but they still had more to do after they hit that play, right? That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Um, they didn't but, score a touchdown on the play. That's where Philly Philly probably tops them. Was Philly Philly on fourth down? Yeah, but I, I was Philly Philly at like the end of the game or was it right before halftime? It was not the end of the game. No. Yeah. Uh I just remember Philly Philly. Philly Philly was on fourth down, I think. Yeah, I like it better. Do you like it better as Philly Philly or Philly Special? I like, kind of like it as Philly Philly. I like it Philly Special, but I, I just think you just, regardless, it kind of resonates. I, I like Firefly more than Wasp. Firefly is a good play call. We should get that. Because <laughs> feel, Firefly feels a little more Kansas City Chiefs than Wasp. 
Like they're just firing and flying. Firefly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, famous um, military general whose name is Curtis LeMay, who became really famous for like fire bombing campaigns in World War II, things that caused incredible devastation. But one of the stories was like they they had these bombers who uh, were not hitting anything. And so he determined, well, we got to fly lower. And all the pilots were like, no, we're not going to fly any. If we fly any lower, we're going to get shot Shut out of the down. sky. He was yeah. like, no, we're going to fly lower, and I'm going to fly in the first plane. Everyone's like, what? And they did it and because they decided they were going to do some, instead of doing all these other techniques, they're just going to fly low and, and hit shit. And it worked. And it's like, you know, in football, you think about the guys that win the championships, John. These are what not. What team was that guy? What, what country was that guy from? He was on Team USA. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, I'm winning. Air Force. Um, but think about the guys that win the championships. These are not one-show ponies where it's the head coach is the superstar by himself. It's not. The quarterbacks ultimately have to make the plays when there are things that are out of the coach's control. And well, it's and, it's and Brady and, and it's Mahomes and it's in that game it was Foles and it's it's the greats. Well, I, I think the the one thing that's not disputed. Just think of the really famous coaches of our last you know couple decades, right? Obviously Belichick. Belichick needed Brady, right? Now we're gonna find out. Can he do it without him? I think he can if he just gets a competent quarterback. Whether he can get that guy, I don't know. But like, you give a great quarter coach, and I mean with the greatest coach ever, Brady, it's over. You gave Andy Mahomes. What are they doing? Three straight AFC championships, two straight Super Bowls. Like, they're just kicking everyone's ass. Tomlin. Tomlin's clearly a really good coach. When Ben is healthy, they are a powerhouse. Like, Ben in his peak. I mean, fucking walk-offs, throws to Santonio San Holmes, winning Super Bowls. Like, they are a powerhouse. Pete Carroll? Mike Tomlin? You give Pete Carroll. Sean Payton? Who, he's had two great quarterbacks. I mean, say what you want about Liner. Like, Liner was a great college player. Kicked everyone's ass. Once Liner left, they kind of... They were great. They were really good, but they... You know, weren't quite winning the Natties. Gets to the NFL, gets Russell, kicking everyone's ass. You get you get it. Tom Coughlin. Eli got hot and played well. It's we talk about defense, we talk about run game, talk about all the bullshit. That listen, it matters. Like it's a team game. But I, I'll never forget being in the NFL when we had Michael Vick, and I was like, God, I think he had that MVP year, and then the next year he didn't play as well, and Eli got hot. I started thinking, like, I don't know, man. I I think we're fucking in trouble. And then he just started getting hurt, and you just saw like what you needed to win in the NFL. That and Eli's kind of an outlier, but when he was hot, he just looked like a top two or three guy, right? It was like Jesus. And the thing is, now with the game has changed so much physically for those guys, you need them probably to look and play a little bit differently. But you get a Deshaun Watson, you get a Mahomes, you get a Josh Allen. You just feel like if you're a Kyle type guy or a McVay type guy, and Andy a Peyton. You go, we, we got a fucking chance. Every time we step on the field, whether it's Super Bowl or whether it's the preseason, if I want to play my starters, I'm fucking winning. Well, the Because col- there's an arrogance to those guys. The one thing you would say, it was the powerful move about the general, is like he knew it would work, but in times like that, you like got to show them, like, listen, I'll lead it. When you know it works, like, and that's what Belichick became, like, everything he said became gold. Like, everyone listened. And then I bet that general, I have to do a deep dive on him, but... He, he probably built up a lot of equity. He said things people are just going to follow. Like, Kyle, if he says things, people are going to follow it. But he just doesn't have that guy right now. And Andy does. And who, I mean, who knows? Maybe Brandon Staley becomes some great coach in like five years. Like, how about Brandon Staley? Right? Because he's just inherited Herbert. Justin Herbert, yeah. We know this. Every time, and it's it's not, we can't say everything is like, well, if it's Mahomes then it's what you can try and duplicate, right? In other words, of course, the Chiefs are going to have a chance to win the Super Bowl or go deep in the playoffs every year that Mahomes is healthy. But Mahomes is not normal. Um, he's an outlier. Would you, who would you say, if Haberman was a book, who would you make the favorite right now without knowing free agency or the draft as of today going into the play, going into the season next year? Uh, to win the Super Bowl? To the, win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs. Who would be your betting favorite? Just me, like who do I think is most likely yeah, to win if the championship? It's Haberman, it's the MGM, uh, it'll be the Chiefs every year. <laughs> I know, you know. Um, now, I, I also this this is also why I and understand. I don't think you have a team in the top five or six that you didn't have a sweet quarterback, right? The outlier might be the Rams, and I think you'd be like, well, I think Stafford could be pretty good with him, right? Yeah, and you'd like it's just every year you're like, well, this can't be the year that Brady does it again, right? But. He'd be your number two. He'd be. He belongs there too. Um, 
this whole conversation is also why you understand when you go, okay, you can't just upgrade over Jimmy for whatever if you don't think whatever is going to be able to win you the Super Bowl. Right? This is where you go, well, does it make sense to upgrade to Sam Darnold if you don't think Sam Darnold's great? Like, Does no. it make sense for the Niners to give, up, to give something up to not get a great quarterback? No, it doesn't. So... That's now, why it was quick aside on Sam Darnold. It yeah. feels like he's more likely to end up with like the Bears or the Saints, feels like, like a team a, that just doesn't have a quarterback. Like, why would it make even the Saints might be like, well, we'll just play with Jameis. He's been a better yeah. quarterback than Sam Darnold. I know. Honestly, it might make sense for the Justice to roll Sam Darnold back. Yeah, I mean, unless they just love one of these guys in the draft, which I think I read yesterday. That's they're doing like a deep evaluate. Like, they're obviously not going to trade Sam Darnold till they pick a guy. Like, if they don't pick a guy, they're just going to keep Sam Darnold and pick a player. Right. It's actually a good position to be. It's a little Niners-ish. Again, the, the difference on Jimmy is you roll back with Jimmy and you, let's say you sign, you know, whoever, just some veteran player, Trubisky, to be like a $3 million backup or whatever. There is a risk of Jimmy just getting hurt again. Like, that's that's the that's the curveball in Jimmy. Like, I, I don't think Brady, right. all these other quarterbacks we've mentioned, I don't think injuries. Like, that's... If Jimmy just plays 16 games, even if he's middle of the road, I go, Niners can make the playoffs. But Jimmy might disappear for like a month and a half. You can't have him get hurt week two and waste your season again. Oh, he's got turf toe. You're like, oh my God. Like, Jimmy's injury, if you told me next year, like, what would be a Jimmy injury? Well, I'd be like, you know, a bruised shoulder. You know, that would be the argument if you're the Texans to just wait. Like, let's wait till week one. Let's let Deshaun sit out week two. Maybe something crazy happens and people get really desperate. Yeah. Because well, if you're the Niners I- and Jimmy goes down week two, can you really afford to like, we're going to do this again this year. We're in the middle of the season. All of a sudden, the price is up. That's called being in the middle of Vegas. No gasoline. One gas station. They're charging 45 bucks a gallon. That's like the, the Texans thing. You just think to yourself, listen, I know he's saying he's going to hold out. The difference of Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald is they were not making their $20 million contract, tr- contract yet. This guy's making $25, 30000000 million. You get paid. Is next year I think they play 17 weeks? Okay, you do the math. Divide 26 by 17. That's over a million a game. Last time yeah. I checked in Houston, no income tax. That's, you know, 800 grand, whatever the number is. He's going to, or 1.2 or whatever the math is. He's going to just sit out 1.2. Like Emmett held out because he didn't have money, right? Coming, like the contract. Right. People don't hold out when they have the max contract just because they hate you, right? That is the kind of the curveball the Texans have, like, you're not making rookie now, wages. Sean could argue. I, I also, I because of that contract, I have money. I have more money than he probably has more money now than Emmett ever had. Yeah, for, I mean, I'm not, but I'm just saying, like you, you are leaving a lot. Like part of it's like Levy on. You're really going to hold out fifteen million dollar franchise tag, a million dollars a week, basically. He's like, yeah, I did, which was kind of crazy. It doesn't happen very often. Held out franchise tag. Looking back, that's pretty nuts. It is. I, the second again, time, I, and a lot, at a huge number. It kind of feels like if they don't trade him by the draft, then they're holding on to him. And there's a whole other conversation, but then they're holding on to him until the season starts at least. You, you would think, yes. All right, John. Noted Padres homer Daniel Jeremiah uh, updated his top 50 on NFL.com. Prospects 2.0. And uh, we went through them. We love looking at this stuff. And a, a lot has gone unchanged. Like DJ had Justin Fields 12th on his 1.0. He's got him 12th on his 2.0. He had Trey Lance 11th on his 1.0. He has him 11th on his 2.0. So guys are not flying all over the board. This is him watching Senior Bowl stuff. This is him talking to people. And, you know, I think one thing we wondered, you go back several months to the beginning of the college football season, even the offseason, we wondered how risky this draft would feel once we got to the draft. And now we're here. And the two best offensive linemen in the draft didn't play last year. The best receiver in the draft, I think most people think Jamar Chase, number two on DJ's board, didn't play last year. He also opted out. It feels like, do you feel this way? Like as we get closer to the draft, it feels like the draft is kind of, at least the top half of it is feeling a little meatier, feeling good, not feeling like there's a bunch of unknowns. Does does it, it feels like it, it's crystallizing. Well, I think with the opt-outs, when you were an elite guy, was not going to phase you. So the opt-out, when you read Panay Sewell has opted out, Jamar Chase has opted out, right? Remember, before we even, I think, knew the season was happening or there was a lot of uncertainty with some of those programs, I guess the SEC never flinched. But with Panay, we didn't know if Oregon was going to... It didn't phase them. Like, everyone's like, yeah, who cares? Those guys were elite. And it, stuff like that, good, bad, indifferent, never phases the top 1%. And that's, right. to me... 
Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase. You know when you read, Trevor Lawrence had his pro day. And I saw someone, might have been Michael Lombardi, you know, someone around NFL circle said, I had someone tell me the way they describe Trevor Lawrence's workout is he's a number one pick in any draft. You go to Panay Sewell's workout or you watch him on film, you go, he's a top flight tackle, Jamar Chase too, or top flight wide receiver in any draft. Those guys are unfazed whether they play a season or not. Jalen Waddle shattered his leg. No one gives a shit. To me, this draft, and especially with the Niners, is defined on like, Zach Wilson kind of came out of nowhere. Jamar Chase, or I mean, Justin Fields, did he really change a lot? Zach, uh, I can't even say these fucking guys' names. Trey Lance, what he was kind of unique because he only, he is one guy that, that is a polarizing player for sure. But I'd say most of these names that I'm reading feel that they were... Yeah, but he, he only played one game this year, keep in mind. And it wasn't really that impressive, right? Yeah, that. but I'm saying, like, he probably would have been polarized. Smaller school guy, non-Division one, D1 AA. Uh, even if he had played the full season, I do think he would have been picked apart a little bit. Uh, but all these other names, like the Penn State guy, I think he had opted out. Micah Parsons? The linebacker, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just he was viewed as a top 10 player based on previous year's film. Now, I think this is if you and I were running a draft meeting, let's say you're Kyle and I'm John, I go, we're Mayock and, and Gruden. And you go, no, no, John, we're not taking a bad character guy again. No, please, for the love of God. Are you Mayock or are you? Or, or are you <laughs> I, I was Mayock. There. You're Mayock, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the one thing you always say is a great player, he could have a bad season and maybe a nitpick him. That is, you just, you never knew, like, it was going to be... Like, the one thing you'd say with Devontae Smith or Kyle Pitts, they played this year and they kicked ass. So you feel pretty good about where they're at right now. Like, the Trey Lance thing, like, could he have just been a disaster? Like, could he have been a one-year wonder? Because you you would just bring up, and I'm not saying this is fair, because I saw something Instagrammed on my timeline of Trey Lance, no shirt. It looked like working out with that uh, George, whatever his name is, that's on ESPN, the quarterback guru. It was like, damn, that guy looks pretty big and physical. Like, that guy looks the part. But remember Christian Hackenberg, and I think we did this with Josh Rosen, like, after their freshman years. Now, those are true pocket quarterbacks, different, like an athlete's going to look good. But it was like, this, the guy you're looking at, the number one pick. Everyone tweeted it, and you didn't even feel dumb. You could have told your buddies, like, I think this guy's going to be the, we say it about DJ Ungalea. But what if his. Oh, yeah, I'm just DJ. But what if he's just not good the next couple of years? And Clemson's like eight and four, nine and three, based on what they've been. All of a sudden, you'd be like, "What is going on?" You right. just never know. I mean, the more the hardest part about being a great player, the hardest part about being good at anything, I'd say, is doing it over and over and over. Like part of what makes Brady or Rogers like they just every year. It's like now Mahomes, right? That's why like Josh diets Allen, are hard, I, John. Consistency is the hard part. Well, I'd say that's the most impressive part about Brady is how just dead set he is now the last like three or four years on this thing he's doing that like you just and it's clear he doesn't flinch off the TB12 stuff. It's like God, how does a guy never break from it? But people understand when you have a bad game. I think when you have a bad season, that gets put in the scouting community like gets gets talked about and gets I would say dissected. Where the opt out guys, they just. And they avoided injury, right? Sometimes, a lot of times, a guy can fall because of a, like a devastating injury. So you, those guys just avoid, those guys are healthy, you know. So yeah, and a bad season alone. was it? One of your three seasons was bad, or one of your two seasons was bad, or one of your four seasons was bad, right? How much other data do we have on you? For the most part, when we're you know talking top fifteen players, unless they're a major projection, you're like this guy, like a Ziggy Ansa or something. For the most part, their entire career, at least. A couple straight years should have been of ass kicking, right? When you're talking about like a top 15 pick, once you get late first round, second, third, you can your options become more limited. But when when you're talking, when I'm reading these names of Michael Parsons, Panay Sewell, Devonte Smith, uh, the Northwestern uh, Slater, Jalen Waddle, Caleb Fair- Fairley, the sweet corner from Virginia Tech, they always have sweet corners. Zach Wilson, I'd say he's kind of the outlier in this group of like, he kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Trevor Lawrence, not out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, So that's, why is this guy coming out of nowhere? That's where you nitpick him. That's, I think, for the Niners, we talk about the quarterbacks. Justin Fields did not come out of nowhere. He played his best football, I'd say, this year. But he's been on the radar. And that's part of being, it's weird, because I remember being in these meetings, still talking to friends now. It's a big deal when you're a five-star guy. When you go, 
to your GM and the guys being talked about and you're drafting in the top 15. This guy was the number one recruit. But that, or, you know, a top 10 recruit or just one of the biggest recruits in the country. But that's not everything. Like, that was Mario Edwards Jr. once upon a time. Went to Florida State, one of the biggest recruits in the country. And he kind of underachieved. And remember, he still got drafted in, like, pretty high in the second round. So it, it does hold weight, but it doubles down when you're, like, Javavi Clowney or Lawrence or Julio Jones. You're like, this guy was the number one pick in the draft, or the in the the number one recruit, and then he dominated. You're like, well, yeah, just fucking ride the Secretariat, right? Yeah, some element true, of this... I'd say really Trevor Lawrence is just, that's why I think people view him as basically the perfect, he's the number one player, went to college, dominated, like it's a no-brainer. Right. Everyone else, maybe Jamar Chase a little bit of that and some of the Alabama wide receivers, like those guys are blue chippers, they go, they kicked ass. Like even if Ruggs, who we kind of nitpick, like it's clear like he belongs, right? Like when we nitpicked, uh, who's the Washington kid that went to Cincinnati that's not any good, John Ross? Yeah. I, like to me, him and Ruggs immediately have nothing in common. Like I could just look at and be like, yeah, I think Ruggs has got a chance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think to your point on Fields, I'm uh, uh, sorry, your point on Mario Edwards and Justin Fields, some of what we're talking about is the safety of it all. And when you are Trevor Lawrence and you come in, it's like, this guy's going to be a number one pick in three years. And then after one year, it's like, yep, still going to be number one pick because he won the national championship as a true freshman. And after two years, it's like, going to be number one pick. Can he win the Heisman? Can he win the national championship again this year? I don't, you've been in the room, but I there's I just, knowing humans, there is some element to all of that that makes it feel a little safer, that reduces the amount of criticism when it's, he came in as a five-star, he was a star as a freshman, he was a star as a sophomore, he was a star as a junior, Who's going to criticize you for taking that guy number one? Nobody. Why? Why just went? That's why. To, like the Mitchell Trubisky pick was crazy. It's like, wait, I know. who? And everyone thought, not everyone, but a lot of people, Mayock had him as his number one quarterback. It was not an uncommon thought. You know what's funny is I just went to rival. I typed in Justin Fields rivals, and his rivals page come up. He was the number two player in the country. Like, I wonder who the number one player in the country was. It was Trevor Lawrence. That they came out in the same class, like you said. There, Trevor has no blemishes. I mean, we can nitpick like against pressure, does you know, little football stuff, but it's like elite, 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 elite. Fields is like, well, he went to Georgia, and whether it was Kirby Smart's fault or not, like he left. Like he's got questions. And then I go a couple spots down, and this is like, oh, I feel pretty good. This guy's gonna be a star as the Parsons kid. He's the, was the seventh or the sixth overall player. Went to Penn State. Franklin's killing it in recruiting. Dominates. <laughs> So it's like Trevor Lawrence, Micah Parsons. I bet both those guys are probably pro bowlers. Well, I, Justin does like have a lot going for him, but I do think there are just holes. And this is why we talk about him nonstop. Where really when we bring up Josh Allen, like he doesn't really have that much in common with Josh Allen besides like physical attributes in terms of nobody wanted Josh Allen. Josh Allen's story really read more for us California Valley people, kind of like Kaepernick's, right? Couldn't find a home. Was this raw product? Obviously, Josh went much higher in the draft, but, but just similar but unlike, crazy physical traits. But he had to go to a junior college first. Yeah, nobody wanted him. It was wild. Where it's like Justin, if he when he was transferring from Georgia, and he just said, "I'm open to anyone." Like, what teams would not have been interested in America? Would there well, have been we know one? the answer because he went to the number one. He went to Ohio State, so yeah. maybe somebody who had another guy. Right? Well, I'd Alabama say Clemson, Bama probably wouldn't have had a spot for him. But other than that, like, well, they would have had a spot if he was cool, like sitting for two years. <laughs> Yeah, we're just competing and not being the starter or whatever, right? Right, right. but you maybe you don't want to disrupt the dynamic. I, yeah, I, I'd say Trevor Lawrence is probably the easiest draft pick, probably even easier than Luck, just because you're like, wait, this guy was the number one high school quarterback and the number one player in the country, right? Remember Luck was like, not the biggest recruit. He wasn't a small recruit, but this guy was, I'm talking all positions, above Parsons, above Patrick Sertain, who's going to get drafted in the first round, like, Trevor was one. He was the number one high school draft pick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And delivered. Like, that's part of this is by the time you get to the NFL as a number one pick, if you were the number one recruit, you have already been the number one guy and delivered for somebody. But I feel field delivered, right? He won him a playoff game. Uh, yeah, there's. Yeah, he delivered for Ohio State for whatever reason. Maybe, to your point, maybe it was George's fault. Yeah, he delivered too. I mean, if, if Justin Fields goes 12... That kind of feels like lower than you thought maybe he was going to go at the beginning of the college season, even though 
at last year's draft, if you had told me Justin Fields was going to go 12 overall in the next year, you'd go, awesome. That's fantastic. Good for him. I'd say, I'd say coming once he transferred to Ohio State and played for a year and then was coming back, obviously he had to come back. He wasn't draft eligible. People thought if he had a big year, he would be the lock. If Trevor was going to go number one, he was going to be two. And it would just stay the rivals. One, two. And that didn't quite happen, right, for him. But it wasn't bad, right? It wasn't a it wasn't like a Hackenberg disaster. But it, it's it's one of those where he definitely nitpicked enough to like fall out of the top ten. But I this is where I wonder Deshaun was a better player, thinking back, right? Just watching I remember sitting on my couch for both the game he lost and the game he won, thinking like, God, this fucking kid's an amazing college player, right? Yeah. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Fields had the one game, but I, I remember watching him a lot, not thinking like He's an amazing, like Deshaun was dropped like your, your jaw hitting the floor going against Alabama. Because at that time, it's much more normalized now seeing these crazy yardages and scores. I remember then thinking like, God, he's doing this to Saban? Remember it was like in the mid-40s just going fucking throwing touchdowns to, and looking back, I mean, he played, on. they were both NFL teams, right? Like the guys he was throwing to and mm-hmm. all the players on his team, but Fields wasn't quite that. But maybe you go, well, they just... This year, Corona was weird, small season, hard to get his rhythm. Trevor, in the South, they never really stopped. They just kept playing. It was really a lot easier to play. This is the other thing you're talking about in draft rooms with Kyle, too. In the ACC and the SEC, Corona did not exist like it did in the North and the in the West, right? And it, it didn't exist in the sense of, like, it didn't halt their playing they played and their more practices. Yeah. But just, like, their mindset of, like, working out. They never stopped. These these programs sent people home, right? Some this, of them, some of them kept working out. Like Cal was actually working out a lot. Some of these programs worked out a lot and just never actually translated to football. But I, but I'm West even Coast. but I'm even talking about like in the summer. Like it, the SEC yeah. was never not going to play, right? Remember no, Ohio I'm saying State? I was, was kind of shocked. It was to a big deal in the Big Ten. Some of the they, West Coast guys it. actually spent a lot of time working out. I just you didn't quite realize it at the time. Maybe they weren't necessarily at the team facility in the same way. But yeah, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Publicizing it. But again, that's, but I'm working out on my own, not with the team, even if that's the case. It's like, they had a lot less going for them as a player slash as a team than like Trevor Lawrence and Clemson did, right? Yeah. Now, as it relates to the Niners, this is all good that there's this many good players, that if Justin Fields isn't there, I think we could have a separate conversation about their draft philosophy here in terms of best player available, um, given the amount of things they're going to need on their roster. But it does seem like even if a quarterback doesn't get pushed down to them, somebody good's going to be available at 12 if they stay there. I feel like the top 15 is pretty loaded in names. You know, they need DBs. There's countless DBs, multiple corners. Sertain's good. Uh, I don't know if he's quite top 15, but the Virginia Tech guy's good. Multiple offensive linemen. They don't need a wide receiver. Like, that's to me, they're not taking a wide receiver in the first round. Right. right. I think we agree right. there. But I think easily they could go DB. You could never have enough defensive linemen. I, I would say the one thing in Kyle's history, you'd say he does, and this is the way you typically win in the league, is he likes drafting. If he didn't need a quarterback, I'd be like, they're going line, D or yeah. O. Yep. When you. But, I, I would, but could you draft Micah Parsons and just go, we just, if he's the best player on your board at 12? Just take another linebacker. What if I told what if I told you that they got like uh I'm just gonna use this name, like when free agency starts, they sign Trubisky for like one year, two million dollars or something. Yeah. I'd be like maybe to be Jimmy's with, backup, you're saying. Yeah, Jimmy and Mitch, you know, <laughs> it's not ideal, but it's a Mitch is a way better backup than the guys they were rolling out, right? I mean, he's a guy that's won yes. NFL games, yep. Yep. like way more physically gifted. I'm just using that example. You'd be like, well, I, I do think you could go with another position. You got Josh Rosen as your third practice squad guy. Figure it out from there. If you didn't go quarterback, I still would go quarterback. I still would go quarterback. But if they didn't, I, I would understand it. If they, Because that would just tell you that Kyle wasn't comfortable with any of these guys. And that's fine. Now, it doesn't mean his evaluation's right. And as we've learned, he's been wrong before. I, I think this year, he gets a pass on the Deshaun and, and uh, Mahomes. He just kind of does. I don't think he would as necessarily this year if somehow he were to pass on one of those guys and the guy would be really good. That right, would be because a hard we one. know they're looking for. A yeah, to me this year would be the one be. like they evaluated wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, I, but I, I think it's the first time this year that if a quarterback goes behind them and becomes a starter and good pretty quickly, it's and they're dealing with a Jimmy. I just keep using Mitch. I don't even know the fucking other names, but 
just because it's hard to think of a guy that's not going to, they're not going to pay $8 million for a backup, right? You can't have, if Jimmy's back, their backup has to be, kind of has to be those type guys like CJ's, right? Because those guys don't make any money. Kind of, but he also has to be good. It's this weird place they're stuck in. Well, so that's why you need to get a quarterback. Yeah. I just think like Mariota's not an option for that. You know, so you start going through the names, you know, not unless he gets cut and it just doesn't have a lot of options out there. Yeah. And cost three million dollars if the market's not good. I, but, but even three, like they, they need a million dollar backup. Uh, yeah, but do but they what they need if, first and if, foremost if, is a guy if that Jim if Jimmy's their quarterback. They need an NFL backup is what they need, yeah. which they didn't really have last year. I don't mind Trubisky at like one now, or two million bucks. I don't either, but here's the thing you could argue. You could argue, look, by and large, the job of the backup is to win two games. The job of the backup is not to win eight games. If, yeah, your if, if Jimmy goes eight, down for a month, it's season's you're over. You're toast. Yeah. If he's making 25. Yeah. Right. Any team in the league would be. Yeah. All right, middle cough. Well, uh, I did see since we started doing this podcast, you, what did you tell me that there was a update that said it wasn't? We had a I think when the on yeah when the paramedics and, and the police got there he was responsive it's not like he was out you know the car like they talked to him uh, turns out they didn't need the jaws of life but they didn't need, need some tools to like you know the jaws is that thing that's like the big mm-hmm. uh, I know you know what it is I mean just I guess everyone probably knows what it is uh, like huge pliers basically um, whether they need it or not, I mean, it was just the car was in bad shape. Like, I mean, probably depending on the way he was lying, like it was pretty nuts. See, one thing I'll be fascinated. Like- to, one thing I'll be fascinated to know, and I'm sure we'll find this out over the next 24, 48 hours. Like, did he have to call? Like, hey, I'm in. I need help, or does someone call in? Right? How did the who who alerts the authorities that there's like a huge wreck crash? Yeah. yeah. Did somebody see it? You hear it. I mean, they just buy some homes. Maybe somebody heard it. Probably pretty loud, yeah. Maybe you have OnStar, that kind of type of thing. Um, from what I read, I saw a few people writing that it was it's a pretty, like it's a steep uh, decline Great. that you can go pretty fast down that street. Um, so I think those are all the updates we have as we uh, wrap up this podcast. So, yeah. I mean, leave I don't, leave I don't a review. What, I, don't know, yeah, I don't know what to Go check out the YouTube. But yeah. uh, mailbag coming and. We power on, people. That's what we do. You just the one thing in the in the twenties, I'd say two thousand twenty and beyond. You just never quite know what's coming. Maybe it's always been that way, but it does feel a little bit like whoa, 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 whoa. It definitely does feel that way, whether it's real or not. That's how it feels. So, until the next pod, hopefully there's a next podcast. That's all you yeah. can hope. Until the next yeah. podcast, live another day. Put your foot next, best right. foot forward. Yep, that's right. All right, all. See, See you. After the end of a good fight. You deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.